be glad to know it's not the offering, so... Or maybe, actually, you'd probably rather me do the offering than preach, but anyway, you've got me preaching, so. All right, so tonight I wanted to talk about meekness, um, something that I haven't really heard talked about that much. But what is meekness? Uh, I definitely think that meekness is one of the underrated fruits of the Spirit, maybe because the reason for that is because it's not well understood, or maybe because it's so hard to outwork meekness because our flesh does not want to be meek at all. As Christians today, our lives must show evidence of all the fruits of the Spirit, meekness included. Jesus himself, he mentions meekness on his Sermon on the Mount, and he proclaims a blessing for those who will, who will be meek when he said in Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, biblical meekness is an active and deliberate acceptance of undesirable circumstances that are wisely seen as only part of a bigger picture. I'll say that again. Biblical meekness is an active and a deliberate acceptance of undesirable circumstances that are wisely seen as only part of a bigger picture. Now, what meekness is not is a resignation to fate or a reluctant submission to events because there's little benefit in such a response as that. Interestingly, for meekness to be outworked, you actually need conflict. And in that conflict, you have to be unable to control or influence the circumstances of that conflict. And just by being a good Christian, you are guaranteed to be afflicted with situations and circumstances to outwork meekness. Because the Bible says in Psalms 34:19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. So our typical human responses in such circumstances usually include frustration, bitterness, anger. But the one who is guided by God's Spirit, he accepts God's ability to direct events and allows him to control the outcome. It takes being spiritual in these circumstances um, that usually cause our flesh to erupt. Now, meekness can be shown when someone can respond to a situation but chooses to let God's will prevail, whatever the outcome. You think of Christ on the cross when he could have called down all those angels to come to his aid and deliver him, and he didn't, he didn't do that, and that's power under control, God's control. That was the ultimate case of meekness. Today, it's easy to see what, what, what once was thought as a virtue has become a defect in today's society. People who are actually being meek are seen as being weak. And people who are being weak may be thought of as actually acting meekly. It can be hard to judge from the outside. The patient and the hopeful endurance of hard circumstances outwardly shows the person as vulnerable and weak, but inwardly they're actually resilient and strong. Meekness does not identify the weak, but more precisely, it identifies the strong, who have been placed in a position of weakness where they persevere without giving up. An impatient, angry person raises up enemies. He often finds himself in conflict with others and spends his time in disputes rather than in good, honest labor. They are harassed and generally unsuccessful in all that they do. On the contrary, it can be seen in the life of a meek and a patient person that can be most blessed. And I believe that this is inheriting the earth, as Jesus said, would happen for the meek when you live that blessed life. It says in 1 Timothy 4.8, Godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. I'll just pray now and then we'll turn to Numbers chapter 12. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time now. I've got to... Um, 
look at your word and um, talk about meekness. I pray, Lord, you'd help me and guide me. I pray, Father, above all, that you'd be pleased with what's said and that uh, you'd help me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Numbers 12 is where Moses displays um, meekness. Um, he's a very good example for us because God says that he was the meekest man on earth, so who would have better to look, look to? And what I'll do is I'll read the chapter, Numbers 12. It's only a short one. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And the three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him, I will, I, with him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, she should, not, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not, till Miriam was brought in again. So reading this passage... Um, I realize, I realize how much I lack meekness in my life when you compare yourself to Moses. Moses here, he, dis, he displays incredible meekness to leave it to God. And now we'll, what we'll do is we'll go through the passage to see what we can learn from what God's recorded here for us. So verses 1 to 3 there, it says, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. So at this point in time, the children of Israel are in the wilderness being led by Moses. Aaron and Miriam, his brother and sister, have an issue with Moses' wife because she is different and she's not a Jew. I believe personally that there's a bit of a deeper issue here and it's just not that, but this is how it was outworked. Oftentimes, people can try and hurt the ones that you love to try and hurt you or to reduce you in some way. And this room is, this, this sin is generally rooted in envy. Um, I think they were envious of Moses and his leadership, his walk with God, and the blessings that came along with all that. By tearing down his wife, they could have a cheap shot at Moses. 
it's very important to see that God mentions Moses' meekness in verse 3 because by letting us know how meek it was, that explains his actions. And I guess we'll see then his meekness in these actions. We see in verse 4 to 9 it says, And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And the three came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they came forth. They both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision. I will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And then the anger of the Lord was kindled against him, and he departed. Uh, I don't think I can imagine a worse thing than God telling me what he just told Miriam and Aaron. I think by the end of verse 9, Aaron and Miriam were both wishing they could turn back time and um, change the past. You notice in verse 7, God puts Moses on a pedestal, not Moses himself. Moses does not need to resort to the lowest form of leadership where he has to demand respect because of his title. He doesn't need to do that. If you also notice in verse 8, there is no mention of his wife, even though this whole thing started off about his wife. God doesn't even mention Moses' wife, just Moses. And I think what we can learn from this is if you're going to speak against a man's family, you're speaking against a man as well. So it's just something to be careful of there. God does not differentiate. It's important for us to realize as well, especially if we speak against those in spiritual leadership over us. When we speak about their families, we're also speaking about the man too. God here is angry with Aaron and Miriam because they did not respect Moses. God himself declares he has respect for Moses in verse 8. And then he asks why they were not afraid to speak against Moses. Aaron and Miriam have both, have both displayed a huge amount of pride here, and God was not pleased. And then we read verse 10. As the cl- and the cloud departed off, off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And we see there, Aaron then um, realizes, and he starts repenting pretty quickly. He um, begs Moses to pray for them. Because in verse 10, God judges Miriam. She becomes a leper. Interestingly, Aaron doesn't become a leper. He's not affected. And I thought about that for a bit. And I can only assume it's because of his role as the high priest. Perhaps, you know, God didn't um, do that. Or maybe because Miriam was the main offender. She's actually the first person mentioned in verse 1. So maybe she was the ringleader there. Aaron, though, is also, he has, an instru- he has a pattern of being pushed into compromising certain circumstances such as when the crowd got him to make the golden calf as well. So having this type of disposition, seeing his sister, I think would have been punishment enough for Aaron because he really he fell apart once he saw his sister. This is no doubt why Moses was chosen as the leader. Aaron was a follower. Moses was a leader. In verse 11, we also see the attitude of these offenders change dramatically. Suddenly Moses becomes Lord and um, Aaron realizes, realizes their foolishness and their sin that they committed. This is the correct response to sin, and we can learn from this. We need to repent and ask forgiveness from those we sin against as quickly as possible to minimize the judgment that may come our way. In verse 12, we see the effects of leprosy and how it was viewed. Um, this was a fitting punishment for such a grievous sin. We might think that it was too much, but in God's eyes, that was a fair punishment. 
We see uh, in verse 13, Moses cries, and Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, she should, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out, out from the camp seven days, and after that be let, let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward the people removed from Hazaroth and pitched in the wilderness of Haran. So, if you have, a, if you realise this, it was interesting. Verse 13 is actually the first time Moses has to do any talking. The whole time God's done all the talking for him. And he did a far better job than Moses ever could if he was defending himself. If Moses had jumped in and defended himself, who knows what would have happened. But I think by, by saying that he was the meekest man on earth showed why he let God do all the talking for him. And Moses, the good man that he was, he needs no second appeal to his compassion in verse 13. He truly is a godly man and he can forgive when he had been wronged. He has seen God merciful and gracious, long-suffering, slow to anger, and he has caught on how he should act in this situation. This response was not always shown by prophets in Israel's history. When you think about some of the prophets, you think about Elijah who called down fire on those soldiers who were sent to arrest him. Think about Elisha who um, cursed the kid who mocked him and the bears came out and got 42 of them. Now these men were not wrong. I'm not saying they were wrong. I'm just, just saying putting a difference there, Moses' reaction to other men of God. Um, and I think that's another reason why he was called so meek. A man's claim to fellowship with God and his professed knowledge of God's truth is tested by his conduct when he's under pressure. And Moses was tested here. If a man cannot plead with God on behalf of those who have offended him, he has not the spirit of God. And in 1 Corinthians 13, he's like the sounding brass and a clanging cymbal because he hasn't got love. Love is actions and it's not just spoken. And it's those situations when you have to action it. <coughs> In verse 14, God responds, um, God responds to the prayer of Moses, um, but she could not be cured at once. She has to go outside the camp, bearing her reproach. The shame for her offence, apart from the effect of leprosy, would make it fitting that she should go about the camp seven days and bear that humiliation. Her sin is to be realised and learnt from for her own spiritual good. The offences of Miriam and Aaron were pride, envy and presumption. It may seem too much that leprosy should have been a punishment, even though it only lasted seven days. But with God, we see that these sins are not trivial, and we can expect judgment from Him if we commit these types of things. And Miriam's exclusion from the camp becomes a lesson to all of us. They can't journey while she is separated. Now, there may have been other leopards in outlying tents, but her sin was such of a kind that the public would all have known about it. And this is another lesson for us. If we sin when we're in a position of when we're in a position, you can expect that it's going to be a public outcome as well. Looking at this passage, there's a, there's a few things that really stood out to me. Um, and um, The main things that spoke to me looking at it was meekness is not weakness. It's actually a sign of strength in a person. No one would ever say that Moses was a weak man. No way. He was, he was a man of strength, even though he was the meekest man. The world sees meekness as a flaw, and that's because it's misunderstood. It's actually a jewel in a person's crown as it's the fruit of the Spirit. Letting God respond for us is far more effective than letting ourselves do the fighting. We will most likely get it wrong and cause more damage. By allowing God to respond for him, 
Moses regained his family and was actually elevated in the eyes of the people. If you speak against a person's family, you're speaking against the person in God's eyes, especially when God has elevated him to a position of authority. You do not want to be messing with someone who is anointed by God for a certain work. Have the faith to let God things out and don't meddle with what God wants to do. I also, you know, thinking about it, quick, genuine repentance and asking for forgiveness is the key to minimizing the consequences and ramifications of sin in our lives. You will reap the consequences for your sins here on earth. Christ has already paid for them and we are safely His. But to maintain our good fellowship with God in good standing, you need to turn from your wicked ways and stop doing them. If you're wronged, be quick to forgive, and then God can restore, restore more than you started with. You think of Job. Our intercession for another person may bring pardon and healing, but sin will still leave its mark. The sinner is shut out of the enjoyment of the camp, and the march is delayed. Just like in our church today, if someone does something worthy of church discipline, they are put out of fellowship, the church misses part of the body, um, no one wins when that happens. Meekness is a fruit that comes as your Christian walk gets closer and closer to God. And as you have more and more victory over the flesh, meekness is outworked more and more. Moses was called the meekest man um, on earth, but this was once his anger issues from being dealt with. And finishing up, I want to leave you with a challenge. The next time someone says something about you that is untrue and hurtful, respond in meekness as Moses did and let them see the working of the Lord in your life. The outcome will be much better than if you react with words and actions. Trust the Lord and see. Proverbs 20, 22 says, Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord and he shall save thee. So I'll finish up there and um, I'll pray and we'll be done. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everything that you've um, taught me through this passage, Lord. I thank you for the lessons that you've given us in your word, that we can rely on it, we can count on it, and that we can live a blessed life by adhering to it. Pray, Father, you bless the rest of the night, and pray to help the time of prayer to be uh, fruitful. And I pray, Lord, that you be pleased with all that happens. In Jesus' name.